The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Pray for Gary and Bev today. They will fly to Africa and lead Alarms All Staff Conference. They'll have every staff member from Alarm and all the nations in Africa will gather in Kenya along with their spouses And they will be leading them, encouraging them in a conference this week. So keep them in prayer. Keep them in prayer. Well, there are... uh, I need to announce something to you. I just remembered. I forgot in the early service. Classic Ladies, you saw on announcements, is scheduled for this Tuesday. But due to weather and Lynn not being able to make it down, that's moved till next Tuesday. It's canceled this week. It's next Tuesday, the 2nd of March. If you have questions, or 3rd of March... If you have questions about that, you can call Beth Mackey here at the church office. There are at least two kinds of people, maybe more, that don't keep their promises. The the first kind we can put into a broad category and call them politicians, right? (laughs) They just don't keep their promises. Some folks think they have goodwill and mean to keep them and just don't. I've become skeptical. I just think they're deceivers. Power hungry. There might be one out there, we just haven't met him yet. I thought this was true, and so I went back and looked, and I started with FDR in 1941, and a big promise that he made, and he broke. And then I went from, from him to every president after him up until now to see promises broken. And without question, they all did. Now, I won't tell you what promises your particular favorite president broke, because I, I don't want to offend you this early in the message. But they broke them. Politicians break promises. There's another type of person, though, that can't keep their promises, and that's a person who, for lack of knowledge or lack of ability, just doesn't keep their promise. Maybe it's an eight-year-old boy who says to his dad, Dad, when I'm grown up and you're old, I'm going to build you a really big house. And maybe that eight-year-old boy ends up not getting a job where he can afford to build a real big house, or maybe dad has a real big house and doesn't need one when he's older. But the promise ends up not being kept. We know that there are people who don't keep their promises, but when, when people we love and trust are not able, are not faithful to keep their promises. Now, that's painful. It's difficult and it's hard. And without question, we want a God who can keep His promises. We want a God who's able. We want a God who's faithful. And really, Paul's first recorded sermon on his first missionary journey is largely about a God who keeps His promises. So let's look in Acts. In 13, Paul saw at that time, he and Barnabas have come into Antioch, Pisidia. They're going to the synagogue. And in verse 15 it says, After reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, If you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. This was common. It was an invitation often given in synagogues. So Paul stood up, and motioning with his hand as he so often did, 
He said, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. So their slaves in Egypt, 400 years, 40 years in the wilderness because of their disobedience, and about 10 years conquering Canaan. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior. Jesus, as He promised. Before His coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And John was finishing his course. He said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not He. No, behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem, their rulers, because they did not recognize Him or understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning Him. And though they found in Him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have Him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of Him, they took Him down from the tree and laid Him in a tomb, But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that that God promised to the fathers. This he has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus. God, we thank you that you're faithful to keep your promises. And we thank you that you kept this one. And raised your son from the dead that we might have life in him. We give you praise for this and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the things that we've got to understand about the gospel, about the story of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus our Lord is this. That in large part, the gospel is a promise kept. You might even say that the Old Testament is really about a promise made that Messiah would come. And the New Testament is about a promise kept that Messiah has come. And we have a God who is faithful to keep His promises. Look in verse 23. Of this man's offspring, of David's offspring, God has brought Israel a Savior, Jesus, as He promised. Verse 32. We bring you good news that what God promised to the fathers, He has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus. He's faithful to keep His promises. See, God's faithful to initiate relationship. He's faithful to sustain relationship. When you stop and think about God's faithfulness, 
Adam didn't initiate relationship with God. God created Adam and Eve and he initiated relationship and he sustained it after their sin. Israel didn't initiate and create the relationship. God did. He initiates it and he knows what he's doing when he does it. He knows what he's doing. How many of you, how many of you would say, when I got married, don't raise your hand, when I got married, I had no idea what I was getting into. I mean, that, my wife and I would, would say that and praise God while we say it. We had no idea. We were babies. I said don't raise your hand because some of you, that makes you want to laugh and some of you, it makes you want to cry. But often when we get married, we have no clue what we're doing when we enter this most intimate of relationships. And here's, here's what I want you to hear. Knowing that we would do to him far worse than anything one spouse has ever done to another. God entered into this relationship. He initiated it. He entered into it. He started it. And you can see how he sustains it. If you just look at God's activity in sustaining the relationship, you start in about verse 17 it says, the God of this people, He chose our fathers. He made them great during their stay in Egypt. And then it says, with an uplifted arm, He led them out. He's active in the relationship. And for 40 years, He put up with them. And then after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, He gave them the land. Verse 20, He gave them judges. Verse 21, they asked for a king. He gave them Saul the king. The warrior king didn't work out, so he removed him. And then he raised up David and ultimately brought a Savior. See, God's faithful to keep His promises. Now, when we hear things like this, I'm going to ask you another question. Don't raise your hand on this one either. How many of you have ever been disappointed with God? I'll, I'll raise my hand. Some of us... Maybe you've not, but a lot of us have. Life springs something on us. And we think, God, why in the world is this happening? God, you, you said you'd be good. God, you said you would be with me. I listened to a brother this week talk about his wife being four days from delivering their child when she miscarried. See, our brothers from Rwanda last week shared a little about what their country went through 20 years ago in genocide and war. Our brothers from Ukraine, they're receiving aggression, threats, and attacks from Russia even to this day. Some of you have lost children, some of you have lost spouses, some of you have lost siblings, some of you have lost money, some of you have lost jobs, some of you have lost hope itself. But understand, God is faithful. Even in our not understanding the circumstances of life, God is faithful. He's faithful to keep His promises. And He's not bound up by our perspective. See, God brought Israel to Egypt originally when Joseph was there. There was a famine in the land and his family ate. But then for 400 years, another Pharaoh rose up. And for 400 years... The Israelites 
were slaves in Egypt. There were men who lived and died making bricks for an oppressive Pharaoh. And God was faithful. They wanted out of slavery. He led them out of Egypt. And then they grumbled about that and he led them into the wilderness. He said, I'll give you a land flowing with milk and honey. And they went to that land. They said, no, 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 there are giants in this land. See, God was faithful. They conquered the land. And then Israel wanted a king. And he gave them a warrior king. He was full of power. He had a sword in his fist. And he knew how to use it. And that warrior king didn't work out really well. And God removed him. And then he gave them this shepherd king, David. And promised a Messiah that would come. That would be like David. See, God's faithfulness is not bound up by our perspectives. Would, would we say God's faithful to Israel? Was He faithful to Israel? We look back and we say yes. But in the circumstance, it's difficult to remember that. One author says this, Be careful not to judge God's goodness based on your circumstance. Rather, judge your circumstance according to the goodness of God in Jesus our Lord. See, they wondered, is God being faithful? And they questioned, and over and over and over again, he was faithful. His ultimate faithfulness in Israel's story culminates in the coming of a king. They're waiting for the king, waiting for the king, waiting for the king. And Paul shows us in about verses 34 through 40, he was a, a king like David, but he was not the king they were looking for. Oh, he was the king God promised who would be pierced for their transgression, whose punishment would bring them peace. And though they knew that, that warrior kings and might and power were not what they ought to trust in, they'd come to a place where that's really what they were looking for. And Jesus was not the king they were looking for, though indeed he was the king God had promised. See, those who live in Jerusalem, they're rulers because they did not recognize Him nor understand the utterances of the prophets over and over. Every week, every week it was read. Every week it was read. It would be like us coming in this place every week and hearing John 3.16 and not believing that Jesus would die for our sins. They didn't understand or recognize Him. They didn't understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath. And so they fulfilled them by condemning Him. What happened? What happened? See, I think Israel had forgotten that they were the messengers of salvation. He kept the promise he made, but where did it go wrong? Somewhere along the way, they began to misunderstand the Scripture and, and maybe even they began to just look at the Scriptures they wanted to. I know we would never, ever do that, but maybe that's what they did. And maybe they saw this warrior king coming and maybe they saw this oppressive government and maybe they saw those filthy Gentiles and they forgot this reality. God's promise to Israel included them being the messengers of His salvation. His promise included them being the messengers. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, 
to us has been sent this message of salvation. But we'll see later, this was a message that would be carried to the ends of the earth. See, when he gave them the law, he says in Deuteronomy 4, that it was given so that if they followed it, the nations would see their wisdom. The nations would know. Forgotten that they were the messengers and they wanted a salvation for themselves. We've got to be careful not to fall into this trap that Israel fell into. And I think Paul would remind them in love to take this message. The message was given to bless the Gentiles, not to hate them. So let me ask you today, who are the new Gentiles? Who are the people you look down on? What category of people do you just hate? What category of people absolutely drive you crazy? Is it liberals? Is it conservatives? Is it African Americans? Is it Caucasians? Is it immigrants? Is it white guys who always wear khakis and polos? Is it all Muslims? Is it Muslim extremists? Is it Buddhist? Is it Hindus? Is it the neighbor who doesn't cut his grass the way you'd like him to cut it? See, the reality is these are the people God has chosen you to take the message of His love and forgiveness to. That's the reality. God has chosen us. He's given us this privilege. Don't you want to be part of that? To take the message of salvation to. And and for some of us, if we're just real honest, when we hear that, we go, nah, I'm not one of those people. I'm I'm just not. I'm not talking. They're not going to listen. I'm not going to go to them. No. Here's what, what we need to understand is that Israel's unfaithfulness couldn't thwart the plans of God. And neither can ours. Verse 27 says, Because they didn't recognize or understand the utterances of the prophets, they fulfilled them by condemning Him. But they couldn't thwart the plans of God. Verse 29, When they had carried out all that was written of Him, they took Him down from the tree and laid Him in a tomb. But God raised Him from the dead. See, what the rulers and authorities meant for evil, God was going to use for good. Verse 49, after Paul's done preaching, and the next week people come back to hear it, it says that the word of the Lord continued to spread throughout the whole region. See, Israel's faithfulness or unfaithfulness couldn't thwart the plans of God, and neither can ours. One author says it this way, you've got this great opportunity to get on board with what God is doing or you can cop out and waste your life. See, the the reality is, is that God never intended for our experience of following Jesus to only be that we scheduled time on Sunday morning to come and sing some songs and hear the word declared. And then go back into little bubbles of isolation. 
He made us, out of Jew and Gentile, one new man to be the people of God who would share this message. See, God's faithful to keep His promise, and He calls us to that same sort of faithfulness. He calls us to that same sort of faithfulness. But God's not just faithful to keep His promise. That's a wonderful thing. And we know that we see His faithfulness and His character through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but we also see His ability. When He says He loves us, He meant it. He's not just faithful to keep His promise. He's able to keep His promise. He's not just faithful. He's able. We see that salvation is not just for Israel, but for all who believe. Look in verse 38 and 39. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything you couldn't be freed from by the law of Moses. Do you want your sins forgiven? Maybe you've come here today and you just hear that and think, yeah, I want my sins forgiven. And through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of who He is and what He's done, there's forgiveness and freedom from all you can't free yourself from. See, the law was never intended to save us from our sin. Because Hebrews tells us it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Then the Israelites would go year after year after year seeking forgiveness over and over and over. But, but by one sacrifice, He's died for us all, the just for the unjust to bring us to God. See, it's a great declaration, but don't scoff at it. You can be free. You can be free. But be careful lest what the prophets said should come about in you. Look, you scoffers, be astonished and perish. Verse 41, I am doing a work in your days that you will not believe even if someone tells you. Don't be a scoffer at this message. Embrace it. Share it. It's for all who believe, and it's through Jesus Christ. And I've got to tell you, church, we have got to be excited about sharing this message. I wonder why we don't. Sometimes we're scared. Sometimes we think people don't want to hear it. Sometimes we think they won't listen. But here's a reality. Here's a reality. It's for all who believe. It's through Jesus Christ. And some of your neighbors would be very excited to hear this. They're struggling along in brokenness. They know. They know things aren't the way they ought to be. How do we know there are people excited to hear it? Because there were in Antioch, Pisidia. Verse 44 says, The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. There's a little diaspora synagogue where the Jews and God-fearing Gentiles would meet. But Paul tells a message like one they've never heard. And it says the next week the whole city gathered. They wanted to hear it. They wanted to hear it. Why is this true? Why is this true? See, because of the kingdom of God is where we belong. Buchner says it's home. And whether we realize it or not, I think we're all homesick for it. 
Now these neighbors and these people in this city, maybe they're not running hard after God and maybe they're not seeking Him, but there's a hunger inside them. God has put eternity in their hearts. And this reality that they know the way things are not they ought to be. They're homesick for the way things should be. And maybe we don't share it because we've forgotten what it's like to really be hungry for it. Danny and Gary and I, one time we were in Ukraine, we had been in Belyat Tsirkov and we had gone to Kiev. And it was our last full day there and we're at Kiev Theological Seminary walking through the seminary with Anatoly Prokopchik, one of our partners who's the president of that seminary. It's about lunchtime and we're headed to eat. And so as we're walking, Anatoly's father, Ivan, is passing the other way and Anatoly says to his dad, Dad, you should come join us. The food tastes good. His dad, his dad stopped and said, Son, if you're hungry, anything tastes good. And as he did, we remembered his story. It's a, a truism. If, sure, if you're hungry, anything tastes good. But Ivan had spent seven years in a Russian gulag. See, we, we live in a day and age where we've forgotten what it's like to feel hungry. But Ivan, he knew. And he remembered. He said, if you're hungry, anything tastes good. And the reality is, you've been put in a neighborhood, you've been put in an apartment complex, you've been put in a workplace where you're surrounded by hungry people. And they're going to eat whatever's fed to them. Maybe we would feed them the bread of life, salvation that He brings. See, God's faithful to keep His promises. He's able to keep His promises. And this is a story people need to hear. He's not just faithful and He's not just able. He's sovereign over every bit of this. Verse 47, when he says, The Lord has commanded us, saying, I've made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. When Paul declares that, he's pointing back to a promise. You see it there in Acts 37, I've made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Then Isaiah 49, 6, 700 years before Jesus was born, it's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. And bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you a light for the nations. That my salvation may reach to the ends. What does it say, Chase? You'll have to trust me. It says to the ends of the earth. See, God is sovereignly keeping His promise. I've made you a light to the Gentiles. That my salvation may come to the ends of the earth. Simeon had said it about the newborn King Jesus in Luke 2. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. He's saying the promise has come. And when the Gentiles heard this, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord and as many as were appointed to eternal life were saved. What a strong statement Luke makes there. As many as were appointed. You look in the Greek, it's ordered, ordained, set apart. God is sovereign over salvation. As many as were appointed to eternal life, believed. 
Now, I want to acknowledge when we hear things like this to a lot in our culture and to some in the church, that's bothersome. They don't like this idea. Some would even say that God being sovereign over salvation is not a beautiful thing. I want you to hear, though, there are, there are lots of things that we don't get to choose in life. You don't choose where you're born. You don't choose the city you're born in, the state you're born in, the culture you're born in, the country you're born in. You don't choose what family you're born into. You have some choice over who your spouse will be, but honestly, you don't have full choice over that, and I'm going to prove it to you. Ladies, some of you, when you were growing up, you thought you were going to marry Harrison Ford when you were a teenager. Some of you thought you'd marry Mel Gibson. And look who you're sitting next to today. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Some of you thought you'd marry John Bon Jovi. You ought to stop and praise God right now. See, there are all kinds of things that we're not free to choose. But when it comes to taking control of our salvation, we're really bothered by this. We tend to think that we deserve it. And we forget that we were dead in sin, children of wrath, even as the rest. Some would say, a God who's sovereign is not a beautiful thing. But I want to submit to you, I think it is. Because without a God who's sovereign, without a God who's sovereign, there is no, I will in no way cast them out. There is no, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. There is no, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. What does it look like when God's not sovereign? I want us to watch a clip to get a a picture of this. It's from the movie Avengers, Thor's Brother Loki, they're both demigods, and he comes up against something he's not expecting. Let's watch together. Enough! You are all of you beneath me. I am a god, you dull creature, and I will not be bullied by that. See, the, the, clip is, the clip is funny, but the reality is not. See, if, if God doesn't know what's coming, or if He's not strong, then, then our eternity is really only as secure as our next whim, or maybe even the enemy of our souls, Satan's next whim. But he is sovereign, so he can say, if anyone comes to me, I will in no way cast them out. He can say, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And he can say, I will be with you always. Through our failings, through our strugglings, through our stumbles, through our questions, through our fears, even to the end of the age. See, I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that's a beautiful thing. And I've got to be honest, I think that's the story of our lives if we're in Christ. That there's a God who initiated relationship with Israel and He sustains it. And there's a God 
who's initiated relationship with us and the grace that he gave us to save us is the grace that he gives us that will keep us. Now that, that's a story worth sharing. And it's a story to be continued. See, what message are you sharing with your mouth and your life these days? The last verse in this chapter says, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes our, I'll hear people say, Chase, I know that Jesus is Lord. I know He's risen from the dead. But I've got this going on in life and this difficulty and this difficulty and this difficulty. And I think the early church kind of flipped that statement. Yeah, we, we know that Rome is oppressing us. We know that the Jews are opposed to us. We know that some nights we have no place to lay our head. And we know some nights we'll lay our head in prison. But Jesus rose from the dead. And we just can't help telling you what we've seen and heard. It's a story worth sharing. So I've got two questions for you to consider this morning. (laughs) One is, are you sharing the story and who can you share it with this week? And the other, and I'll ask Bobby and Laura to come, the other is this. Have you embraced this story as your own? Have you embraced this story as your own? Have you trusted that Jesus died and rose from the dead to free you from your sins? And give you new life. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I'm thinking about this story, but I'm just not sure. I've got some questions. I want to tell you this is a safe place to ask. And in fact, there's a, there's a booth out back this morning for Alpha. And Alpha is a study that we do on Wednesday nights just for folks who are new to the faith or folks who have questions about the faith. I'll go talk to Jeff and Amber back there at the Alpha table. For others of you today, you hear this and you know, I just can't wait. I just can't wait. I've got to embrace Jesus as my Savior today. Bobby's going to lead us in a song and I'm going to be in the back as he does. And I would love to visit with you about what it means to begin following Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you're faithful. You're faithful to keep your promises. And you've shown us that so clearly by sending your Son to die for our sins and to raise from the dead as Lord of all creation. That you're able to keep your promises so we can trust you that you will be with us as we live this life. And when the end of this age comes, you will set all things right. God, help us to share this story. Help us to embrace this story. For your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.